platform. Live from Crestview Studios, Florida, it's the Dave and Duke Collin Show. And now here's your co-host, Speak Free Radio owner David Gahari and the incomparable Dr. David Duke. Limber up your dialing fingers. Hello, folks. Thank you, Giuseppe, for that wonderful introduction. This is Dave Gahari. It is 602 p.m. Central Time, Sunday, February 11. I think it is Stupid Bowl Day. I don't even know if it's happening right now or if they're playing, but I, I haven't watched it in so long. I don't know what time it starts. But at any rate, here we are. Of course, we're not going to miss the show, even though it is Stupid Bowl, and uh, pretty much the rest of the country is watching uh, these uh, football teams play against each other. Uh, I do I, I do at least know who they are. I think it's the 49ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, the Toilet Bowl. That's right, Dave. Um, and I heard that uh, some Native American group uh, today demanded that uh, the Chiefs change their name of uh, their team because uh, being called the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess, is racist or cultural appropriation or some some other such thing. I mean, they should be happy that they're being recognized, right? They're all but wiped out. And here, you know, American uh, companies, corporations, teams are trying to honor them with the names. But nope, that's not good enough. Not in the land of woke. So this is the Dave and Duke Call-In Show, and we will take your calls for the next two hours, Dave is going to leave earlier, I think. We'll we'll hear from him in a minute or so uh, because he has another engagement uh, and he's not watching the stupid bowl. It's something else. And uh, this is a call-in show on speakfreeradio.com. So you would go to speakfreeradio.com and you press that button at the top and you can listen to it. It's a 24-7 radio, internet radio station. And you can see the schedule um, Sunday all the way to the next Sunday. Actually, you'll see it, you'll see till uh, Saturday, and you'll see all the shows in the schedule. You can go to the podcast tab and listen to previous shows, and you can hear shows that have been on since Speak Free came on the air, and that was April Fool's Day of 2022. And if you want to. Call into the show. You click on the call and chat button. Click on the Dave and Duke call and show little icon there, the little uh, image, and that will bring you into the waiting room, in the studio, and then you can um, you can come in and ask uh, Doctor Duke uh, any question or make any comment you might want. And of course, the way that it works is uh, the good doctor has. Two minutes to answer the question. This is dependent upon how busy we are. Sometimes we get real busy. Sometimes we don't. But lately we have been really hammered hard. So he has uh, two minutes to uh, answer the question. And about 15 seconds before that two minutes runs out, you'll hear this. And then on the two-minute mark, you'll hear it again. And then he's got to wrap it up and... uh, you know, we're going to go to the next question. I don't know what it's going to be like. None of us do. This is the way it is. Our ongoing challenge, I'll say it right now, that if any of you can let us know of a more 
significant existential threat to humanity and free speech, other than, I mean, it's so damn obvious now, nowadays, but other than organized international Jewry, yes, that's right, organized international Jewry, Jews, not all Jews, but the organized ones who operate as a as one organism. Let us know what that is that's a bigger threat to us than them, and we will quit the show. And alongside that, if you can let us know of a an individual who delivers that message more effectively and thoroughly and convincingly than Dr. David Duke, please let us know, and we will quit the show immediately. Dave, isn't that, we will quit the show, right, Dave? Yeah, I, I don't see how that hypothesis would uh, come true or anything, but <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't. My, I, I tell you something. Uh, I don't know if I'd quit the show, I would support the show. I mean, if anybody come, anybody comes on uh, that needs a forum that does a better job and a more important and effective and persuasive and good job of exposing these issues to the world, because this is the world's biggest issue. This is the issue of whether or not this world's going to keep on going, because there's no bigger threat to this globe and every person in this globe than the threat of Jewish supremacism. It's a threat to the freedom of everyone in the world. It's a threat to the freedom of their own mind. It's even a threat to our very existence, even the existence of humanity as we call it even having a sovereign mind, because what they're trying to do right now is they're trying to control our mind and control the information, and they want to have us living under an AI, God, and uh, they're going to be determining who the God is. And I've been using this analogy for a while, and I think it's a very important analogy that we could start the show off with, and that's the analogy that uh, in the old days, when you had these different religions and you had these different idols of religion, and you had the chief priests, and it's true just about every religion, by the way, the chief priests, and their ability to say what that God wanted was an incredibly powerful tool and a very powerful weapon for them to use to control society, control people's behavior, uh, and get a tremendous financial advantage and every other kind of an advantage, and support wars or no wars. So it's it's really interesting, this concept that Elon Musk talked about when he talked about Larry Page of Google, and Elon Musk accused him of wanting to create a, a AI god. And uh, he said that Larry Page called uh, him, Elon, a specious, like he's for humanity. But what people don't understand is that, according to the Jews, Right, they are like gods. Uh, they believe that nine nine point eight percent of humanity, non-Jews, are nothing but anti-Semites. That anti-Semitism, and uh, and what they call Nazism. Of course, this is the Nazism that they portray in their Hollywood movies, and uh, the Nazism they portray in Hollywood movies is certainly not the National Socialism of Germany and the values. Germans hardly were even concerned, very little concerned about the Jewish question. They, once they uh, won 
control over their country, they had a country that was concerned really about the well-being of their people. Uh, they had the best environmental protection of their rivers, their lakes, their air, their values. Uh, they cleaned out the pornography. They cleaned out the, uh, the terrible conditions and the terrible want and destruction of the economic catastrophes created by the Jewish bankers. And they were the bankers that controlled Germany, just like they control America and control much of the world today, which has caused enor enormous amounts of uh, poverty, uh, suffering by people all over the world. And they also promoted idealism in their, in their kids. They, they created an idea that people should help one another, be part of one another in their country, live as brothers and sisters. And this is really possible in a country that's quite similar, that has a common heritage and a common value with a few certain differences. There might be Protestant Catholics in Germany, but they were pretty much all Christian. That was the culture. And they allowed you not to believe if you wanted not to believe, but they certainly promoted those values. They promoted the family. Uh, they promoted all these things. So we have a situation today where um, they have this presentation of what they call Nazis. And in every way, the Jews of today, the Jews who run Israel, I just have a, two or three articles right in front of me from the Jewish press, were Jews. And they know Jews in Israel. They know damn well Jews. They know what they see in their media. They know about how they got little Jewish girls and boys singing songs we're going to wipe out and murder all the Palestinian people. And, they, and, of course, it's not the little girls that made up these songs. It's these, these uh, Jewish media heads in, in Israel. We could play the song with the translation if, if we wanted later. But the point is, you know, they talk about the animals uh, of the, what the Palestinians are. They're animals. And, and a lot of them, including Netanyahu's wife, said that they're, they're, we're not going to even call them animals. They're a lot worse than animals. Uh, talking about, you know, wiping them out. And, um, and, and the truth is, one, uh, one Jewish commentator said, you know, the, the attitude of the German people toward Jews was never as evil and as genocidal, I mean, in terms of common people. The German people weren't, no German in Germany in the 1930s, or even in the world, even in, in the war, ever went on television, we're going to wipe out all the Jews, we're going to kill all the Jews. No, they didn't do that. And, there, and one reason why they wouldn't ever say that is because they knew the German people wouldn't go along with it because it wasn't in the ethic of European countries uh, to do that, or European values, or even their own people to do that. Now, what happened in the so-called Second World War, which was a war that I don't lay completely at the doorstep of Hitler or the Germans. In fact, I believe what made it a world war was when France and England declared war on Germany. But this war... I believe could have been avoided. All the Germans wanted was self-determination. Democracy is another word for it for their own people. And what was the city of Danzig, which was basically made prisoners of another country that hated the people of Germans. I know that Poles had angers against the German people, long summary ones, and, and maybe lots of people in countries in Europe did. But when they took away these cities and lands of the German people, and then they made these people unwilling captives and under, under the hatred against them in these other countries. Germany said these people should have a right to determine their own government, that uh, 
that the truth is we have no guilt for this First World War. This was not started by Germany. This was started by the entangling alliances. And uh, all we want is our people to have their democratic freedom, and which voted by plebiscite to go back and be united to their mother country. That spoke their own mother language, that where they, you know, where they lived for hundreds and hundreds of years in terms of their own values and their own people. And also even their country was cut into two. We, you couldn't even go by land with a big section of Germany called East Prussia because it was cut off with the so-called Polish corridor. And, and, and they were even having a situation where they wouldn't even allow transport over those areas. I mean, a whole country was being destroyed. And this was because I, I believe the entire, uh, Oppression of the Versailles Treaty, which was a terribly oppressive uh, state, are uh, what they did to the Germans, and the fact that they were robbing them and making them pay massive reparations for a war that First World War that Germany didn't even start was purposeful. And I'll tell you why I think it was first of all. All this was led by Willie Wilson, which which Jews call the first Jewish president. Uh, and they actually sometimes call Obama the first Jewish president, uh, ironically, because there are so many Jews involved in mystery. Sometimes they call uh, uh, yeah, Clinton, President Clinton, the first Jewish president. But um, but they actually Jewish actually say that Wilson was the first president that was really under their control, and they really did come dominate him. They were blackmailing him uh, because they knew that he was having or had an affair with a, a professor of another professor's wife at Princeton, which has been the end of your political life, obviously in America during those days. Or uh, anything that he had any hopes for. And he knew all that. And uh, they used that to do get him to do whatever they want. He appointed the first Jewish uh, member of the Supreme Court in the United States. So these were the, the circumstances uh, under which, you know, we, we had the, uh, for the end of the First World War. And this was really controlled a lot by Wilson and these other people. And, um, and they wanted to punish Germany, and they wanted to keep Germany poor. You know why they wanted Germany to be poor? Dave, I think you know this. It was real simple why they wanted it, because one of the most powerful forces in Germany and in Europe was communism. And communism, Jewish communism, was feeling its oats. After the second war, you know, at the end of the Second War, they took over the Soviet Union, killed the Tsar and all his little children, and committed murders against millions and millions of Russian Christians. And they saw, and they wanted... At this point, the Jews of the world, they wanted to bring Germany. And if they brought both Russia and Germany under communism, it would certainly bring all of Europe under Jewish communism. And uh, they wanted that to happen. And I believe that's why they had these harsh policies, because Jews, wherever they had influence, like in the New York Times, for instance, one of the leading papers of the world even then, uh, they wanted to create this... Uh, the communist revolution. Now, the leader of the communism, for instance, in the 1920s and 30s, a perfect example of it was, was in fact, a Jew. <laughs> and early, the early communist revolutions that Churchill talks about in communism versus Zionism, a struggle for the soul of Jewish people, or is it Zionism versus communism? He talks about the Jewish takeover of Russia, having them by the hair of their heads, the Russian people, and the horrible Red Terror. So these are all things that we, 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 we think about. And I know it's a challenge for some people to think that Hitler wasn't trying to take over the world, but he wasn't. But one, one group we know did want to take over the world with communism and Churchill himself, the famous Churchill, everybody reveres. 
in his 1920 uh, uh, article in the Illustrated Sunday Herald stated, you know, that Trotsky and the Jews, that communism or these, these communist Jews saw communism as a vehicle by which they would control the world. That's what Winston Churchill wrote in his article. Uh, Zionism versus communism struggle for the soul of the Jewish people. Uh, the Germans weren't trying to take over the world. They were trying to preserve their country. And if you really look at what's going on with Russia and NATO today, it's the same principle. It was Russia that overthrew the communists in Russia. They killed so many millions of people. And when they did that, they restored Christianity. Uh, they restored private property. They restored all the, all the ideals that we had. They wanted to be at peace with the world, they took their troops and their guns and their tanks and their missiles and their atomic weapons and all. They took everything out of uh, of the the uh, what they call the Warsaw Pact. They allowed these countries to go free. They allowed Germany to be even reunited, which was an age old enemy of them, which they kind of worried about because the Germans had gone to war against the Russians a few times, and the Germans, you know, it was a it was a terrible war they fought in the First World War. So these are the kind of things we talk about in this show and the kind of reality we're talking about that's ignored because we have a Jewish media. Yes. We have a Jewish uh, intelligentsia that controls the government. And it's just like um, David Brooks said in the New York Times, which I quoted this many times, an article in, in 2005, could have been 2007, but the name of the article is The Chosen Getting In. And in that article, he says, he talks about how the Jews have become the elite of America. In other words, the people controlling America. And he literally called it. Uh, in fact, he even let a, a Jew name it for him after one of his speeches about the Jewish rise, the dominance over the American elite. And the woman said, what you're talking about is, is the Jewish takeover of America. Now, this is in the New York Times. Right. But you can call him this New York Times, David Brooks. So he's talking about the Jewish takeover of America. But if we dare to talk about Jewish supremacy in the United States, which yeah. is responsible for yeah. the murder that's going on in Palestine and for the crimes that they've committed and these wars that we've been waging where Americans have been dying and other people have been dying right. around the world. You Dave, we got to get to the calls oh, now. Right, I'm almost done. Yeah. We can't talk about these things unless we talk and we call out Jewish power and we work to overthrow Jewish supremacy in this world and stop these crimes against all of humanity, including Europe, the world, Ukraine, by the way, which is being destroyed by this war as much as Russia is being destroyed. The Palestinians are being destroyed. My God. And we're running toward a world of total tyranny run by these Jewish supremacists yep. who want to rule this world and destroy any kind of freedom and even the existence for decent people on this on this planet. That's what we're fighting here. And that's why we're so controversial, because we tell the truth about Jewish Nazism and Nazism. The way Jews present it is not national socialism that Germany was. But I tell you this, what they present as the Nazis in the movies and the horrors of them and the corruption of them and the perversions and all the crap that they try to show Nazis are, that's exactly what the Jewish supremacists are who are leading this world to disaster. That's a summation of what this show is all about. Cool. Excellent. I love it. I always love it. That's a nice way to start the show. It is. It is. So we're going to bring a, a caller in, and then I'm going to ask you a question from a listener in France, and uh, we'll we'll get to that. First, we'll bring this caller in. This is General Disgrace, my guess 
is Richard from the UK. Hello, can you hear me okay? It is I, it, it's just it's I just so that, easy. I hear that distinctive classic English voice of Richard and it's great to hear his voice again. He's always got something very good to say and very interesting yes. to say and always got good questions too. Hi Richard. Thank you very much. Good night. Uh, good evening. And uh, I just wanted to ask uh, doctor uh, if I I'm correcting my assumption that you've seen the Tucker Carlson interview that he did with uh, President Putin. Yeah. Um, because something came up there which prompted me to ponder the question that I'm now asking you. Uh, he mentioned to Tucker Carlson that it was the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson's visit to Kiev, uh, which convinced the Ukrainians to actually go on the war offensive. It was that meeting. Uh, Boris Johnson is no longer the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, but that was sufficient to that, get them on the warpath. Um, and I've noticed a lot, you mentioned like denazification and Putin mentioning yeah. like Nazis a lot. He mentions as well Anglo-Saxons. And I wanted to know whether you knew anything about this, what you make of this. Because to me, in my mind, uh, it's a great indictment of my country that this particular action by the then Prime Minister uh, took Ukraine on the offensive uh, and I wanted to hear your thoughts about that. Well, Thank I think I'm correct in, in actual saying it, and it's amazing. Uh, we live in such a judified world. When we live in such a Jewish supremacist world that if anybody has even a speck of Jewish ancestry, it seems politically that they instinctively know to immediately identify with that Jewish ancestry, right, and defend that ancestry because if they can claim such in the world, and that's what I think that, this man actually claims to have some Jewish answer. Is that, is that correct from your knowledge? Johnson, doesn't he have some Jewish ancestry claimed? Uh, Boris Johnson, uh, um, I'm told, has a uh, Turkish Jewish descent. And there, there was also David Cameron, who was the prime minister before Boris right. at some point. Uh, right. so, so the point is that it, it's like any, anybody's got Jewish descent, especially if they're in politics. They definitely want to capitalize on it because it makes, makes them yeah. one of the boys and it, it, it just gives them a kind of like an in and, um, and even if they have a partial ascent and, and, and of course they'll put Jewish interests first. Now, uh, if this is an opportunity by talking about this and talking about the British role in this, uh, Britain has been corrupted by Jewish money for a long, long time. Uh, there's a whole bunch of biographers of the Rothschilds and other Jews in Britain. Talk, they talk about how the Jews actually infiltrated some of the British nobility o over the years, intermarriage into their families. I mean, it's really kind of interesting. And, and there's no question that I, I believe is whenever you have kings and you have powerful forces in government, that Jews are the moneylenders of the world. They, they have a lot of power and they have a lot of money. And I have no doubt in my in my mind at, at whatsoever that Jews corrupted the crown in Britain a lot a lot longer bef than before the Second World War and, and what went on then and the British government before the Second World War because certainly I, I believe that even though Churchill was an aristocrat he became a servant of the Jews he wrote about the communists and the 
so-called red menace and the mass murders of the communists gripping the Russian people by the hair of their heads and become practically the undisputed masses, enormous empire. He outlined the Jewish leadership of communism all around the world, and he condemned it as a murderous organization. He didn't even mention the fact he didn't know it, maybe, that Lenin himself was a, was a secret Jew. And while he's giving speeches saying that Jews are the greatest people in the world, the smartest people in the world, and thank God for Jews, that's why he has such good communism. That's why we have the murders of communism. That, uh, that he, he praised the Jews, even though he was not, he was not a Russian. He, he acted like he was a Russian praising the Jews and thanking the Jews for communism. But he was actually a Jew secretly. And I stood right by Solzhenitsyn when he said, I've talked about this many times, but it's like, um, amazing. So let's, let's go into this whole thing. And this is an opportunity to talk about this entire war because there's a lot of lies and there's a lot of Jews who talk about the war in, in the right terms and saying that this war was not started by Putin. It mm. wasn't an unprovoked, uh, whatever invasion right. or action by Putin. In fact, as Putin said with Tucker, even though it was very subtle, and I think that Putin could have, should have talked more directly. We didn't need all the history lesson, even though a lot of the history lesson was very good and everything he said was true. In fact, yes. up until the 13th century, the whole country spoke the Russian language. And, yes. and the people of Ukraine, except for a few minorities, like some of the Hungarians, some of the Poles, of course, even this current Ukrainian language was created by the Polish-occupied regions of Ukraine. This happened for a long time. And because the Poles were speaking kind of a, a pidgin form of Russian, of, of Russian uh, that became the Ukrainian language in, in some of the Western areas. And then... I mean, it, to do, if I may, uh, yeah. do you believe that there's any substance to Putin's claim that Britain, directly through Boris Johnson, uh, was was the uh, arguably the catalyst to what's, what's befallen that? Uh, do you think that there is any, any well, that's not going to be in the major press, but yes, I do, because mm. in fact, mm. it was even admitted. I do believe it because I believe it's factual. And even the uh, the British, uh, I mean, the Jewish prime minister, in fact, or the head of uh, at that time in, 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 uh, in, in Israel, uh, that individual, that, that Jewish person who was trying to bring in as a, as a go-between between the Jews of Ukraine and, you know, and the Russians, which again, it's always amazing how they always ingratiate themselves as the arbitrators on things, right? But uh, he himself said that yeah, there was a there was a peace proposal. It was initial by the Ukrainians, and it was very similar to the Minsk agreements a few years earlier. And later, uh, Merkel and other and Americans all admitted that they signed these agreements with Russia. They made a real ironclad agreement there would be autonomy, that these Russians would be able to speak their their language. Uh, they wouldn't be suppressed, and uh, and the country was going to basically stay together. Uh, but all that was a lie. Even Merkel said they were lying. They just they were buying time to build up a military. And then the the war started. So the, all those of our people who are listening, if you need some ammunition when you talk about this with your friends, listen. Here's the ammunition. It's all the ammunition you need. The war, and the mass murder and slaughter that's taken place in Ukraine wasn't started by the Russians. Not the Russians in Russia are people that speak the Russian language in Ukraine or the people of Russian descent, which is really most of the Western Ukrainians too. This was a con produced by these Jews over a long period of time trying to divide the country. 
And they built up this false mentality or this false um, mythology that, in fact, that the Ukrainians weren't really Russians and the Russians are a bunch of Asiatics. Anybody that wants to go, anybody that goes to Moscow, anybody that sees the Russian people knows they are beautiful Europeans, right? They're just as beautiful as the Ukrainians. They're magnificent people. They're not Asiatics, not Ukraine. But this was this was what they were feeding the so-called neo-Nazis. But the neo-Nazis, so-called neo-Nazis in Ukraine, were, were were people that were really ultimately originally very anti-Jewish, and they and they were anti-communists for good reason because the people of Ukraine knew that these Jews, these Jewish Bolsheviks, had murdered. Seven to 11 million. We don't know the exact numbers. I think it's more than 11 million from my research when I was living in Kiev and when I was working on my doctorate. Uh, but I know that many millions died. And, and if you, they had a, they had the leading historians of the world and they admit this in Wikipedia that that probably won't be in there forever. They'll probably take all those references out, but you'll see that in, you know, of a, of a dozen of the top scientists who studied the Ukrainian Holodomor. Uh, the average are the the what the, the the people number of people who were killed starved to death and these were mainly women and their babies and children because those are the people that die in famine first you have a higher metabolism you're weaker and women couldn't even feed their babies at their breast and uh, and older people too died but this was this was the, one of the, the greatest slaughter of infanticide and women kind of like what's going on with Gaza at least seventy percent of what's the people dying right now and guys of these innocent people are women and children. And I don't think any of those children are Hamas members or Hamas fighters or quote unquote terrorists. No, I don't think those women are. They don't even allow women to participate in those kinds of organizations because they're more traditional about the role of women and families and things like that uh, among the, among the uh, Palestinians. But um, so, the, the, you know, this, these are the murderers and they started and th- what happened was, the Ukrainian government, under the Jews, and this was a Jewish revolution by the Jews who ran America. It wasn't a Nazi revolution. It was a Jewish revolution. But Jews used people they called Nazis because they bribed them. They had billions of dollars. The man who actually funded the Avastol movement and controlled so much of it was Kolomoski. That's the same man who was bribing the president of the United States through his son, Hunter Biden, Kolomoski, who is also one of the biggest criminals of Ukraine. It's still $5 billion. Now, if you want to read about Kolomoski and his mass uh, crimes against the people of Ukraine, uh, you don't have to go very far. I just will send you to Bloomberg news site. They have a big article about Kolomoski, and they point out that even the Biden and others and these other Jews, they actually sanctioned Kolomoski because it was too much of a black eye on Putin. If the, if, if the government of Biden wouldn't have done something against Kolomoski, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, it's because, because you were involved in Biden. It didn't be, do anything to Kolomoski, really. But what it did was it was a way for Biden to say that he's you know, not part of this uh, scheme. Well, they admit, I've got an article right here from the forward talking about it. And I got an article from another Jewish publication about the Azov uh, people. Oh, here's another good example here. Here they're talking about Azov has had many roots. And here's an example. This, this is, this is right out. This is right out of Jewish publications, right? Uh, 
For example, Jewish activist Nathan Kazin has described uh, that around uh, uh, of the 26 activists for the Auto uh, Maidan movement 2013, he said, formed the background of the Avzov Battalion. And he was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. Now, look, I was in Ukraine, in, uh, as, as everybody knows, back in, in the 19, uh, what, 2000, and uh, I was there part of the time in 2003. I was there back in uh, 2000, early 2003. I was there in 2005 when I came back and finished my doctorate. And uh, you look at all these groups, like these good Ukrainian groups, like uh, the Freedom Movement, which was uh, anti-Jewish. They were all anti-Jewish. But what they did was they, they bribed the leaders, uh, they corrupted everything, and, uh, and, they, and then they, they got, as, as they always do, these Jews get this divide and conquer, and they got the Ukrainians to blame the Russians for all. They, they were blaming the Russians, for instance, for the whole of the war. But Russians didn't do the whole of the war any more than the Russians did the Bolshevik Revolution. The Bolshevik Revolution was a Jewish revolution. The leader of the whole of the war, the mass murder of 7 to 11 million Ukrainians, was in fact Lazar Kaganovich. Now, if anybody can prove I'm wrong about this, that he wasn't the guy that really directed it. He was the head of the Communist Party in Ukraine. And he was also very close to Stalin. Stalin married his sister, I believe it was. And he was the deputy premier. He was the guy that stole, that, that destroyed the Church of the Savior, the most iconic Russian uh, cathedral, you could say, uh, in the Russian Orthodox Church, in our site that they have in the world of, of Christian, of, of, of Christian uh, orthodoxy in Russia. And he said, there's Mother Russia tripped over her skirts. He's the guy who was charge of stealing the grain from the Ukrainian people and starving the Ukrainians. And even Limpkin, who was a Jewish guy who invented the term um, genocide, he actually came out and he talked about this was a purposeful genocide to lessen yeah. the of, of <laughs> And it was labeled an anti-Soviet I mean, there are more questions that I've asked, but I, I would like to you know, give the floor to someone else. I hope else. I gave Thank you a little bit. I couldn't go into everything. It, it's no, like it's these questions I... open up such an enormous amount of information. There's yeah. far more information <clears throat> I have on this. But here's mm. the deal. This is not a Nazi government in Ukraine. No, this, of course not. The only question I had to ask Dr. Duke is how corrupt was Ukraine back in 2003 when you visited? Oh, it was it terribly was the corrupt. Government, they they were all the oligarchs, Jewish. and that was the difference of Ukraine and Russia. Mm. And a lot of Ukrainians were very envious of Russia. Putin was doing real well. Russia was doing yeah. great under Putin. He was moving yeah. against the, the Jewish oligarchs. He didn't come out and say Jew, 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 because he knew that would do it probably. In fact, Putin didn't say one word about Jews. He did talk about the West, and he talked about people who are running the government that are not the people you're seeing. It's not the presidents; it's the people behind them. But, 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 but here's the deal about that. This is a very important point, which we could talk about during the whole rest of the show and uh, off and on. But the the deal is that he he got rid of a great deal of the corruption, and and the Russians were doing very well. Unfortunately, they never had a Putin in Ukraine. Now, again, the guy that leads Ukraine is a Jew. Not only did they have the 
the prime, the president, the outside, the prime minister. It was the first European country in the history of Europe where you had a Jewish president and prime minister at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is a Jewish government, but I must say this, and this is my new, this is my new shtick. That's a Jewish word, you know, for like a routine. And this is, this is the most important thing I can say to anybody today. And I want them to think about this in a new way. All right. So, so Putin accused the, Ukrainian government of being Nazi. And Jews today are claiming that Israel is worse than the Nazis, and this is a Nazi government. Chaim uh, Cohen, who was one of the members of the Supreme Court, said Israel has adopted the Nuremberg Laws. The fact is, folks, that Jews today, the Jewish elite, the Jewish world order is a Jewish Nazi World order, and I'm not. When I say that, I'm not saying they're not national socialists. National socialists were about, you know, good, you know, good medical care for their people, and 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 protecting the rivers and the air, and and honesty, and getting rid of porn, and getting rid of this degeneracy, and having a country in the interest of the people, and not in the interest of the uh, of the financial oligarchs. Uh, that's what national socialism was fundamentally, and the preservation of the Jew- Jewish people, Jews are about really about what they claim Nazism is. And in the sense of how they project Nazism in the movies and in history, they, Jews, are are the ultimate Nazis. But they're not the real Nazis. They're the Nazis that they present as Nazis in in the movies. Isn't that interesting? I think that's a very interesting Analysis of the situation. Everything's reversed. Dave, we got to move on. Yeah. Okay. Richard, we'll get oh, you back in, buddy. Sorry. All right, man. That was a great segment. I love that. Hang out. All right. Okay. Robert from Yuma. There we go, buddy. Robert wants to ask you a question, Doc. Go ahead, Robert. Dr. Duke, are, are Putin and Russia fighting the Jewish tyrants who are destroying America, Europe, and seeking total world hegemony? Well, I, I, I haven't heard, except maybe uh, Orban similarly, uh, say that um, I don't hear any, heard any European leader actually say uh, what Putin said repeatedly. And he has said that Europe, if Europe continues this immigration policy that they're having, that Europe is going to be destroyed. And uh, and he pointed out that these Jews of the West were supporting the Chechnyan terrorists and the other terrorists. And they and by the way, they solved that problem. And Chechnyans, even though Chechnyans have their own culture and they have their own faith and so forth, Russia treats them well and they like Russia because it, because, because Russia deals with them honestly and decently. And uh, even though it's an area of the world in this uh, in the Caucasus that has a lot of Muslims in, they get along good with Russia today. And Putin, Putin, because Putin's not trying to exploit them. The truth is that Jews are trying to exploit the entire world, every nation of the world. And Putin talked about the danger of immigration. He also, on the Tucker Carlson uh, interview, he said with very few, you know, what only a very few Republicans will say, and Putin talked about preserving marriage, the way it was designed and, and the way the European people does. He talked about the fact he was proud of his fact he's a Christian in Christian Russia 
He talked about the history of Christianity in Russia. Uh, when I haven't heard anybody uh, in in the leadership of our, any president uh, honoring that. They take the, the nativity scene off the front of the White House. Of course, they did that with the Supreme Court decision. And they put up a big giant menorah, which is about Jewish supremacism and Jewish massacre of Jews and Greeks and um, Syrians who, who, who were just were nice to each other. They didn't like the Syrians and didn't like the Greeks and didn't like the Jews who were friends with the Greeks and the Syrians because they saw as a threat to their racial supremacy. And they wanted nothing less than racial supremacy and, and that's ethnic and even, uh, you know, even supremacy in terms of their genetics. And they saw that as a danger. I mean, so, so everything is turned upside down. Europeans have always been a lot more, even though we definitely want to, we've always wanted to preserve our race, our traditions, our heritage. That's normal. That's normal of all people. The, the Palestinians fought against the, the migration of massive numbers of Jews in the Palestine. They knew what that meant for us. Any person of any country would know that if you have mass immigration of people who are a different race than you, uh, a different culture than you, different heroes, different values, and with, you know, with, with chips on their shoulder, anybody would realize that that's going to be the source of great problems. If you're going to bring people into a country and you don't vet them, and also they're criminals and violent everything else and bringing in drugs and not going through customs, that ain't good for your country. It's not good for your people. So this is normal. But Jews are behind this destruction of Europe. They're behind this destruction of America because they feel they'll get an advantage. Anytime they can replace a European, as the New York Times says, in fact, even they were joking. Uh, They weren't even joking. They were bragging about when Trump lost. You know, there was the last, you know, there went the last hope for white America. And that's supposed to be a good thing. Well, America is still 60-something percent white, even though we're fading fast. And no people on this earth would do that. And, uh, and there is a huge difference between what they call uh, Jewish um, apartheid and South African apartheid. And what they call separate development and people wanting to preserve their heritage and preserve their traditions. Every people in the world want to do that, including the Palestinians. And Europeans naturally want to do the same thing, too. So these are the fundamental concepts we have to understand. And we have to understand that Jews are the biggest hypocrites in the world, and they are the ones, truly, who are everything they portray the Nazis as. The Germans weren't as they were portrayed. They didn't even, they're not even, you can't even give them full responsibility for the war. In fact, Hitler tried to make peace and says, let's not have this terrible war, right? And if you think about it, and when you realize that every major historian says between 55 and 80 million people died in that war, hundreds of millions were dispossessed, hundreds of millions suffered, Hundreds of millions had relatives that died and suffered and all the pain that comes from that or the wounding of people. When you think about that, does anybody really believe that that one issue, like simply making a peace proposal where the Germans go back to their 1914 borders and the city of Danzig, which is a 95 percent German city, is restored in terms of their freedom to their self-determination, if they think that was worth it, if they think that, that stopping that, now, or they think that ending this war and making a d- diplomatic difference in this war, even though the Germans won that war, if they think that that was worth the lives of 60 million European people, men, women, and children, then I say they're monsters. 
they're monsters. Doctor Duke. If that's like that's like burning down your daughter's bedroom to, to kill the roach in the bedroom. Doctor Duke, did Putin largely take take back Russia from the Jewish oligarchs or not? Absolutely, and that's why they hate him. And I can show you articles on that. Here's I got an article in front of me, a headline from the Times of Israel, and the article says, "Quote, right? Oligarch under Putin, oligarchs." have gone down to only 14 oligarchs left out of what originally was most of the oligarchs. Now there are only 14, and there's many hundreds of Russian uh, in, in, leaders of industry, the Elon Musk types and other leaders of their industry who are Russians replacing these Jews. 14 left, 14 left. Remember when the whole, uh, when, when Putin won office, the first thing he did was call in all the oligarchs to the Kremlin, and they said, listen, if you guys, you know, I know you guys, a lot of you people in here illegally, and we're going to prosecute you for crimes. If, if you pursue a policy that's causing our people in this country to starve, you're going to hurt our people. You're going to take away their rights and you're going to work against Russia. You know, we're going to prosecute you, which he did, by the way. He went against he went against these people you know, like, uh, you know, there's so many I could talk about. But uh, he went against these major Jewish oligarchs. Thirteen. Uh, are 12 of the 13 biggest oligarchs in Russia, the richest people in Russia, were clearly Jews and were dedicated to, to Jewish goals, Jewish organizations, including uh, the head of the, of the uh, Jewish Congress in Russia, by the way, who is also a media mogul, Mizinski. Uh, we can talk about all these people. Kordakovsky, who is a big criminal, was prosecuted by Russia, and, and the media acted like he was a hero. He was a thief. He was a murderer. He was part of the organized crime in Russia because the Red Mafia was a Jewish mafia. Organized crime in Russia killed tens of thousands of innocent people. They were much more powerful than, say, the, the uh, Italian Mafia ever was in America. They were much more evil. They also ran uh, uh, a number of them, like Mozovich, uh, the, the, the guy that was Mozovich. He was the head of the biggest Russian um, a so-called Russian uh, mafia, which was a Jewish mafia, which kidnapped tens of millions of young Russian girls and uh, girls, you know, from white Russia and from other parts of Eastern Europe, including Ukraine, kidnapped them into white slavery and human trafficking. I mean, this is the reality of, of the world, but you can't say anything negative against Jews. The only time they use the word Jew, they can't even say that this is a Jewish genocide, even though they call it, you got to say it's the Jewish state of Israel. You got to say this has got to be a state for the Jews. You got to admit the Jews run it and Jewish racists run it, but they don't say the Jews never. This is a Jewish genocide against the Palestinians. And the reason why they're genociding these people is because they're different then say, let's say the British, when they went to India, they didn't kill all the Indian people. They built roads and bridges and railroads and schools. And in South Africa, the South Africans didn't kill the, the people down there. In fact, a lot of people in Africa came to South Africa because of the benefits they would get from that in their hospital care they got, in their education they got, and the freedom they had as compared to the horrific tribal racist kings. In fact, practically every country in Africa was controlled by a racist tribe who hated all the other tribes. And that's what the Jews are. They're a racist tribe. But they hate all of humanity. That's what they hate. They don't just hate 
their, their particular enemy at a moment. They see all of human life on earth as an enemy of theirs and a danger to them. That's why in the Times of Israel, they had this major article by Mr. Leitman, Baruch Leitman, uh, who basically, and he said it, he said anti-Semitism is in the Gentile, it's in the, the DNA of the world. It's in their genes. It's a fact of nature. And they were comparing all the people of the world to Nazis who tried to kill Jews waiting for the final solution. That's evil. That's a, what's called a blood libel. You can't say anything worse than anybody than say, okay, you're like Nazis because the Nazis is what they portray in, their, in terms of their narrative about the, the Holocaust. They don't tell you about the Jewish Holocaust like in Ukraine, like in Russia like the Jewish wars that they created, killing you know, tens of millions of people, up to 100 million people, according to the United States Congress resolution. I mean, you, don't, you can't make this stuff up. So it's the Jews all right, who were the real Nazis. And, and I, so this is the way I'm going to tell people this, right? Obviously, he's not saying the Nazis really control Nazis or German Nazis or Germans. Yes. They, they certainly recruited people who were anti-communist because they knew what the communist Jews did to Ukraine and the whole of But the truth is, the people who are leading Israel, who are leading our State Department, right, who are leading the international Jewish banks, who are leading the porn, who are leading the lockdowns, who are leading the control over our lives, who are taking away freedom of speech around the world, leading the, the international media. These people are Nazis, but they're not the national socialists of what Germany was. They are the worst presentations and the most evil presentations that they make of the German people every day in their movies. And that's exactly what the Jewish elite of the world is in America and in the world. And that's who's killing, committing this, this genocide in, in Gaza. That's Thank the real Just people, a whole different point of view. All right. Thanks, Robert. We'll get you back in, buddy. Okay, Dave, I, I know you have to head out early, right? Isn't it? Okay. Jews aren't really Nazis, but they're what they say the Nazis were. Right, of course. That's what they project the exactly. national, the civilized national socialists to be because Dave ultimately and you already said it well that Jew said it there's this is bred in them there's something wrong with them they're they're a biological disease whatever That's the it. reason for it it's ultimate it's everything that they say is evil yes uh, it's it's not simply it's not simply wanting to preserve your race it's wanting to destroy every other race Correct. And you're, and at the same time, and, and the corruption of it, and the hypocrisy of it. I mean, the National Socialists were never that way. What they what they would say, they would honestly say, "All right, the Jews are controlling our economy and they're robbing us blind." Look with the Weimar Republic, and they're also destroying the family, and they were promoting every sort of degeneracy and every sort of drug use and every sort of de- disgusting. They promoted communism, which killed more people than any other phenomena or eology in the history of the world, which was a Jewish phenomenon. It was a Jewish international movement to take over the world. And then once the Russians overcame that, that threw a big wrench in the process. They, they were hoping to get Germany. And that's one reason why they hate uh, Germany, right? And they hated Hitler. Because Hitler, without Hitler, Germany would have probably gone communist. And if the Jews were to control both, both Germany, the heart of Europe, and Russia, 
they couldn't have been stopped. They would have controlled all of Europe and probably all the world. That's what they were trying to do. And it's the same reason they right, hate Putin. Of course. Absolutely. Right? Isn't that make sense, Dave? That's isn't that the same of, reason. Of course. They hate Putin? Dave, I like I said, I Yeah, I know, but isn't that the reason yeah. why they hate Putin? Of course. They hate, it's so everybody. obvious they hate like they there's hate a lot <clears throat> there's a lot of folks who want to believe yeah. Putin's a Jew, Putin's yeah. part of it. Yeah. I don't believe it. All you no. all you have to look at is how much scorn and do hate I agree with and, everything he does? No. No, well, I of agree with not. how he approaches it. No, but I'll tell you this, and I said this on the show last week, and I think it's an important point, which maybe we'll make this one last point and then go to the next question. But here's the deal Putin is a realist, and Putin is a man who wants to make sure that Russia and Europe survive. And I actually believe that Putin knows. If he came out tomorrow, even though I think he could convince people if he did it in the right way, and he'd have to take it slow and gradual, but if he came out tomorrow and say started saying, well, you know, it, yeah, the Jews are Nazis, but they're not the Nazis of the Nazis. They're 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 worse than Nazis, just like a lot of Jews are saying Israel today. By the way, they're worse than Nazis, and they are the worst representation that they make of what the Germans were. They were our enemy. And we fought against them in the Second World War, and we defeated them in the Second World War. But the Jews really are, are this way. He said, if he, if he came out like this, and he said they're a threat to all humanity, and and he, he is, the, the, the Russian government has supported, supported the aspect of Israel being a genocidal country, and these Jews are committing genocide. And they're, and they're, they're condemning geno, uh, Israel for that. America's not. America's standing by the genocide because we're controlled by Jews. Yep. So. Uh, this is this is the main issue. Uh, so if he came out, if Putin came out tomorrow, I just ask this question to the audience. Think about it for a second. We know how angry these Jews are, how crazy they are. If Putin started saying he went full bore against the Jews tomorrow, and talked about the Jewish threat to the world, and 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 he has talked about before, and he even he even promotes Solzhenitsyn's book about how the Jews ran the death camps. So he knows that the Soviets. Were murderers and these Jews were murderers. He, he, in fact, on the program, he criticized Lenin as one of the reasons why we had this problem in Ukraine. That Lenin sold out Russia and sold out the Russian people. And that's again always divide and conquer. And he talked about how Lenin did this. And Lenin was a Jew, a proud Jew. And, um, but, but if he did that, what would be the chance? I think that the chance of a global war with Russia, maybe even in China, would be on the table. And I think there would be a chance for the entire annihilation of the world through atomic war, because once those things start, you can't stop it. I think Putin is afraid. If he, if he did that, they would do anything to destroy Russia. They'd do anything to control the BRICS. They'd be anything they do, because the Russians are waking up, the Chinese are waking up, the world is waking up to Jews, and even the people in Europe are waking up to Jews and the, the genocide that's going on in Gaza and right. the nature of what Judaism is. And by the way, folks, this is about not just about Zionism. It's not just about you know, this is about liberal Jews. The the Jews in against uh, Netanyahu were not simply against his mistreatment of the Palestinians. Not at all. They didn't care about that. They just wanted certain rights because a lot of these Jews are atheists, but they're all devoted to Jews. That's why the Jewish, the so-called liberal Jews, 
have allowed Israel to be a Jewish religious state because the Jewish religious state openly states the supremacy, the genetic supremacy of Jews and endorses the things that Netanyahu was talking about, like the, you know, the, the mass murder, the genocide that's presented in the Jewish books and the genocide that they advocate all through what we call the Talmud which is the Jewish halakha, which is the Jewish law, which is the most important Jewish writings in the world. They're even more important for the, the first five ba- books might be important as a, a base or foundation, but the real book by which the Jews live and work and conquer and kill and murder and, and exploit is the Talmud. And that is the truth. And this is truth that we have to, we say these things, not because we have any hate for Jews. And we know that there are Jews that don't necessarily agree with what's in that Talmud. But we do know that this is a book of hate. This is a book of ultimate racism. And the truth is the Nazis are around today, but they're not Germans and they're not the original national socialists. They're the Jews. That is the threat that the world's facing right now. They are the ultimate Nazis by what we describe as Nazism, according to the Jews, as being a racist, supremacist, murderous, genocidal uh, organization and world-conquering organization. That's- Dave, you are in, in rare form tonight. Um, well, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yes. Sometimes I'm way- inspired. No, no, you're really good. Um, by the way, one of... Uh, the uh, Speak for Your Radio folks, his brother is in the Super Bowl. How about that? So we got to root for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm rooting for him because of that. So, well, I'm not going to root for anybody, but if I was going to root for him, I'd probably root for this, even though San Francisco is a bad town. Uh, the, the quarterback is a really cool guy, and McCaffrey, who's probably the best player on the field. Uh, you know, he, he's two white guys at the very core of what the offense of San Francisco. So I usually root with people that are closer to my heritage, even though when a, a black person comes around that's talented in sports or talented in anything, and he's the best talented person, uh, I, you know, I kind of want people to win uh, a contest. However, I do have a sense, I do have a sense of loyalty to my people as well. And I, I feel a bit of pride. I feel a lot of pride when my people do great things, when they commit, you know, they make great music or they great make architecture or they create the great space things that uh, Elon Musk is doing or they, uh, or whatever. I'm, I, I have a great deal of pride in that. And I think that's normal and natural. And I think that black people always have this and they express it openly, but white people can't. So that's, if I was rooting, even though I'm not going to root, because I know that, that football today, unfortunately, is being used as a weapon against us. And it's, it, it's, it's used as a weapon to say that race doesn't matter, but this is not a football field. Um, there's a difference between playing the game of football, your ability to no, run yeah, fast. Of course. But it's cool. And a difference that we have between somebody... that and making a culture and a society and uh, an artistic uh, level. Of nobility and humanity, and I and I'm not trying to put down black people. I think they have every right to have every country in the world that reflects them, and even in their own communities. I I like the fact. I mean, I kind of enjoyed the fact that 
black people had their own musical styles and traditions and and character. They they have the uh, talk about the uh, what is it called the chiefs. And by the way, I was going to say this earlier. I don't know if I did, but I mean, I don't think uh, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of people. A lot of Americans are descended from the Vikings. I definitely have Viking blood on me. Um, and you know what? I don't have any problem with a team called the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I don't have any problem with, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, which were, by the way, white people overwhelmingly, right, uh, who settled the West. I don't have any problem with that. I don't know what's, what's the, you know, why are, are these minorities? I think this kind of anger about even naming a team or even putting an Indian head on a nickel, that's kind of revering the Indians. It's not condemning the Indians, but in right, Indian that's what head, I was saying earlier. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a joke. But th- these are the divisions driven by the most racist people on earth who control our media, who are trying to just jump on anything they can to cause us to kill each other. Now, we are, we have a Dave, country. Dave, hold on, i got to do a top of the hour break. Hold okay. On. Oh, no. oh. Okay, folks, uh, hopefully Dave will get to stay a little longer. I know he had to take off, but I'm going to try to wrangle him into staying because he's in rare form. We need him. And we got a bunch more callers. So you are listening to the Dave and Duke Call-In Show on SpeakFreeRadio.com. It is now 19.03 hours Central Time, and we're going back to the show. Dave, can you uh, can you hang out a little bit longer? By the way, I have an article from a publication. Is your last thing I want to say? Is I'll that say a yes I'll or stay no? a little longer. Okay. Yes, and the headline reads: "Jewish father, the Nazi Azov military." And look, the Azov is simply an enforcement. They, they're trying to get these people because they are fighters, but they've been the heads of the the, the thing have been brainwashed. They've been controlled by the Jews and the media, and they've been driven to go kill Russian Christians, fellow Christians, rather than go against the people that led us into, them into this war. And now they're leading these these Christian Azov people, right, who honor the, the National Socialists because they were against the Jews, the same Jews, Soviet Jews, that killed their people. And by the way, the same Soviet Jews that killed a hell of a lot of Russians, too, and every Russian who's really honest Russian, you know, has a lot of uh, a lot of problems with the Jewish, you know, international Jews that created communism and murdered so many Russians, too. So it's really a shame. But this we have a Jewish government now leading yep. them to their suicide, to their destruction and killing a lot of Russians, too. This is one of the greatest tragedies in my life to have, to have having to witness this, especially after having so much connection to Ukraine, where I lived and worked and studied. Uh, for so long. Right. Yeah, I know. Dave, let's get the callers in. Okay. And then I'll ask you that que- that that email question. Jimmy, you got the floor, buddy. Hey, okay. How you doing, Dave, Harry, and Dr. Duke? I'll stay another 15 minutes, but I've, I was invited to, by some neighbors down my street. I'm usually, I, I can't, I haven't, I, I very seldom ever go to dinner with anybody. I very seldom go to any social events. I never got to a bar with friends or anything like that. But I got some neighbors down my street who are having a little get together at Super Bowl Sunday, but I don't think the TV is going to be, the, the house is a big house. So I'm going to try to get her as far away from the TV as possible. And, uh, but they wanted me to come and they said a lot of the neighbors, uh, wanted me to be there and they were asking if I could come and I'm going to do that. And, uh, and I, I'm sorry to, to leave the show, but, uh, 
you know, I also need in, in my life some of the real, uh, I'm here at this computer and here every day working, uh, and I do very little social things. I don't go out for fun. I don't go to movies. I hardly ever go out to dinner or anything like that. And uh, That's why you got to stay here, Dave. We're going to have a vote to see if you can leave early. You can't, well, I'm going to override. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead, Jimmy. Hey, no, man, you are, sounds you're, good, you're Dave. a hard-ass guy, man. You know <laughs> it, man. Submarine hey, or hard-ass. I was listening to you this week, Dave, when you were talking with uh, uh, Mark Collette. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was a pretty smart uh, comment you made about how Putin didn't talk really about Jews because, uh, you know, he's kind of in it for the long game. Maybe after some success in this war stuff, then he can kind of, you know, plant the flag and say, like, yeah, this is all Jews fault or something. You know, I don't know. Well, if he if he if he does and this this is a huge task, I don't know. I mean, he he's trying to do what I believe to be what he thinks is possible to do. Uh, he's trying to preserve the Russian people. He's trying to get them on a good economic footing. He's trying to, he's definitely going again. Look, this this is something Americans have to understand. You're a fellow American uh, and a very patriotic one. But we have to understand something really, really clearly. All right. When we got out of Afghanistan and, uh, and we were, we were kind of, the whole thing was a failure. The whole Afghanistan war was treeing the dollars that should have been spent for America. We shouldn't have been there in the first place, right? But here's a question. Is it a good thing? And this is all I'll ask you, and I can ask all the listeners. If we're a true American patriot and a, and a European patriot, and, a, and a really a patriot for freedom in the world, was it a good thing or a bad thing that all that military equipment wasn't able to be brought back to the United States of America. So I posited an hypothesis. And one of my friends brought this up. It may have been you, David. I don't, Dave, I don't remember. But somebody told me this the other day, which is really true. It was Dr. Slattery. And he said, he said, listen, I, I don't want that, I don't want all that military equipment coming back to America because I know who this government's eventually planning to use it on. That's a good point. I, and you I'm know, little, uh, you know the answer to that, right? They're they're planning on using this on us. Yeah. And this this is what's really going going on. I mean, they yeah, may use it quicker than you think of these governors coming together with Texas trying to control our borders and enforce our constitution when our federal government won't. But this sounds like another civil war. So yeah. that's a good question. And our government just I want to give I want to put one more punctuation yeah. on this, one more explanation mark on it, right? To to hope, hope bury this in everybody's mind that's listening here. We don't want a strong American government. Right. We want an American government that's dysfunctional. We want an FBI and CIA that's dysfunctional. We don't want that because the people who control our government is trying to orchestrate our genocide. They want to wipe our seed off the earth. That's a pretty good way to put it. I'll put that in biblical terms. They want to wipe yeah. our blood, our heritage, our freedom, our people off the earth. Not just in America, but in Europe and everywhere. They hate us. The American government is our enemy. That is a fact. Now, the way to overcome that is not to go out and do terrorism. The way to overcome that is by teaching the American people who the real 
the real rulers of America are. And that's the real Nazis and uh, the true Nazis. Not the Nazis are the National Socialists of Germany, but they are the ultimate evil of what they portray the Germans as. They are true genociders, destroyers, and in every way acting evilly against decency, love, freedom, honor, courage, and the nobility of the human of humanity and the human spirit. That's what we have. And if they're successful, they will destroy all freedom and they will destroy every bit of sovereignty, not only of our peoples on national levels, but to destroy the individual sovereignty of every individual in the world, which will be controlled from, from the time we're born with their propaganda and their lies and a destructive and unpurposeful life, only to serve one factor, and that's their Jewish overmasters. Yeah, Dave. Thank, thanks, Jimmy. We'll get you back in, buddy. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. Okay, we got Patrick. Patrick, where are you from, buddy? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm from uh, Connecticut. Okay, and, go ahead, uh, man. I respect the work that um, both you and Dr. Duke do, and so Thank I'm you. grateful for that. Um, I don't really have a question, just more like a comment. Uh, one of the things that I noticed while growing up is that the um, <clears throat> the psychedelic subculture was largely dominated by this group of people that Dr. Duke has been talking about. And I think that has played a role in sort of um, misleading uh, like uh, the youth of America towards sort of like mental illness and sort of this promotion of things like LSD and other psychedelics has sort of led to uh, mental illness has then resulted in them ending up in psychiatric institutions. And a lot of this has targeted the upper classes of the United States. And so I think that has played a role in sort of competition against uh, upper class people. A lot of them have wound up insane after uh, taking psychedelics and then replaced by, um, by this, the Zionist group for positions of power in the United States. And so if you look at the 1970s, they, it was flooded with psychedelics. I think that had something to do with a replacement of upper-class upper, upper type people. That's really just my, my, my only comment. Well, I think, I think everything you say is accurate. And I guess this will be my closing statement for the show. I'm going to go to this get-together by my neighbors. I'm sorry it's on the same day as my show. But, um, you know, I've got to do some of my local work and, and friendships. Well, Dave, can we, can we just, after this, can we just slip in Michael? That's the last one. Okay, we'll do that. We'll okay. take one more person. So I'm going to quote to you from November 6, 2005. This is from the New York Times. And it's called, this is called The Chosen Getting Enemies Talking About. Brooks is talking about is the takeover of, American, of the American elite. Now, to take over the American elite, America was a 90% European-American country, by the way. It was maybe maybe 2% at the most Jewish. And uh, and that was not even, the 2% didn't even get that big until basically about the beginning of the 20th century, the massive influx of Jewish migration. 
into America. They came in to take over our elite, our media, you know, our government positions and our, and our educational institutions. And in fact, they were given privilege. Jews were 2% of the population. They probably weren't any more than two and a half or 3% of the very best performing students. But they were given a quota of 15%, which is five times bigger than their, 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 uh, <laughs> by, than their, than their population by quality. I mean, fit, you know, more than that, if you look at the, the fact uh, of the numbers. So I'm going to give you two quotes right out of the article. He's talking, this lady uh, comes over to David Brooks, where he's talking about how the Jews have taken over our educational institutions. They're 50%, by the way, of the graduate students and the PhD candidates and so forth at Harvard, the leading university in the world and in America, has huge impacts, in, input in terms of our government, in terms of you know publishing, book writing. If you get a degree from there, and there's 50% are Jews. They're not 50% of the smartest people in America, the most productive people in America. They're not 50% by any stretch of the imagination. The reason they have that is because they have taken over the universities to the point where they control them and they discriminate against better qualified white people. Dr. Slattery and I proved an analysis, uh, as well as Ron Unz did in his Myth of American Democracy article, that Jews are overrepresented, basically, if you do the math, by 14 times more than their talents represent. They even though, so, so they're 14 times more represented, and that's just an undergraduate level. In the graduate level, they're at least double that, 30 times more than what they're entitled to, they should be entitled to by a higher IQ or higher qualifications. They, they throw out the qualifications because they control and that's how they control Harvard. So a lady comes up to Brooks, David Brooks, after he does this, this is November 6th, go get it and read it. And a woman comes up to him and he says, uh, uh, well, I'll just read it to you. Quote, the woman comes up to him and he quotes her saying, you realize what you're talking about is the Jews taking over America. He writes, my eyes bugged out. But then I realized that she was Jewish, and she knew I was too. Well, of course, that's the only way she said it. She would have dared say it, somebody else. And between us, we could acknowledge there's a lot of truth in that statement. So now he's admitting that Jews have taken over America, this 2%. And how have they done this? Are, 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 are they, you know, 90% of the population was Europeans. Have they taken over America because they're smarter than the 90%, because they're better than the 90%? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. They've taken it over by hook and crook and lie and cheating and discrimination and racism. And because they have instructed each other through their religion and their culture that the most important thing in the world is for Jews to stand by Jews and support Jewish efforts. And they have organizations dedicated to Jewish supremacy all over there openly, they do this, like the World Jewish Congress. And he goes on to say, there's a lot of truth to that statement, Jews taking over America, for the Jews were the vanguard of a social movement that over the course of the 20th century transformed the American university system and the nature of the American elite. Boy, Jewish take over America. 
and they have. And that's why every time you seem to turn around on CNN, you run into a Jew, Jake Tapper or Wolf Blitzer or whatever. You, you, you see that every major media head practically of the biggest media corporations are they're Jewish, including Alphabet, including 90% of the search engines, including Wikipedia, the encyclopedia of the world, including the fund, the biggest billionaire fundraisers. And this is money. These are Jewish Zionists that give them to, to Clinton. And they even have people to give to Trump as like an insurance policy. This, this is reality, folks. We're talking about the Jewish takeover America. So if David Brooks is right, and I believe obviously he's right, it's proven there's a really good book he's using to back this up with by another Jewish scholar about how the Jews took over the, the academics of America. And it's not because they're smarter. It's because they're organized to dominate. They are absolute Jewish supremacists, and Jewish supremacy is the danger in America. Now, when you start to look at this fact, folks, and this is the last thing I'll say for tonight, and I wish you a very good evening, and I hope I, I know you'll have a good show and a lot of good commentary tonight. And you don't have to have me for that, and I'm glad I could put my two cents in earlier in this show. But when you realize this, then you've got to realize that what our movement is, what Dave is doing, what I'm doing, and what many people are doing all over the world, whether they're Palestinians or whether they're Europeans or whether they're Argentinians. Now they have a, a guy that wants to be a Jew out of the country. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable what he's doing. I think Dave will get you up to date on that later as well. It's insane and, and evil what the man's doing. He, he says he wants the third heifer to come to Jerusalem. That's all about these Jewish prophecies of these crazy Jews that say that now they're going to be able to rule the world when they get the red heifer and they rebuild the temple. And they actually have idiotic Gentiles or who knows what he is that are actually supporting these crazy radical Jews who are trying to take over the entire world. And I'm not crazy for talking about it. I'm not a lunatic for talking about it. But they are the lunatics. The, the problem is, is they're damn well achieving it. They control the minds of countless billions of people across the frontiers of many countries. And if the Jewish, the Jews have taken over America and arguably have led us into these insane wars that have cost how many, 100 million lives in this last century, just the two big wars, World War One and World War Two. When we talk about these wars in the Middle East, when we talk about what's happening to the Palestinians today, when we talk about uh, everything from the, you know, this trillion, multi-trillion dollar war that's bankrupted America in, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and God knows where else. And wars that have supported the rise of ISIS, like in Syria, which is all fact, and anybody can prove that Jews are behind this. When you look about this reality and the control they have over our mind, this is the greatest threat to human sovereignty, to human freedom, and to human existence. Because these people are murderers. They've been murderers for a long, long time. They celebrate it in their scriptures. They celebrate it in their Talmud. They say the best of the Christians should be killed. And I'll just quote, I'll just end the quote with one of the people that Jews hate more than any others in the world, and that's a fact. Read it in the Talmud. 
They even claim that they've brought Christ back up from the dead so they could torture him for eternity in boiling human excrement. Now that, my friends, is hate. And for what? A man that spoke peace and love and brotherhood to the world. Well, this is what Christ said. This is John 8. I'm going to read verse 44, but you can also read just a few passages earlier than that where it says, where Christ's words were, know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's a really good way to end the show on that note, but I'm going to also quote to you what he said about the Jewish elite of that time. Now, here you have David Brooks talking about how the Jewish elite have taken over America. Who were the Jewish elite that Christ was talking about? It's the Pharisees, and it's the people who made up the Sanhedrin, who made up all these power that crucified Christ, that that causes crucifixion. But Jewish Talmud actually claims a crucifixion for themselves. They don't agree with the, the New Testament. Well, you don't expect them to agree anything. They they get they take all the credit for crucifying Christ, and that you can read about that. Read the book. You can still get it through Amazon. I think Jesus and the Talmud by Peter Schaefer, former head of Judaic studies at Princeton, which also has introductions by leading Jewish scholars, showing how the Talmud has this hatred toward Jesus Christ. So here's what Christ said. And all these Jews, they hated Christ because Christ wasn't trying, was not going to be their Messiah because he didn't want to conquer the world. He believed that all human beings were decent. He violated all the Jewish laws. For instance, the Jewish law was you're not even supposed to drink after a non-Jew. It's like they're unclean creatures. I mean, talk about racism. There's so much racism. So he violated all those laws, and he even drank after and loved, and he even said, in a, in a, in a pristine source, in a platonic way, a, a, a Samaritan woman who was by a well, and he, and he said, he said, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty, uh, and would you give me something to drink? And you can't, even, you're not supposed to even be given water by a non-Jew because that's how much they hate non-Jews, and uh, and she does, and he says to her. He says, listen, thank you for this water. You know, and he says, I want, I want to give you water. I want to give you the water of my teachings and the word of God, which tells us all, you know, to a better way, to salvation and life and uh, kindness and love. I, I, I want to give you my water and this water can replenish you for your whole life, right? Now, what he said to the Pharisees who who hated Jesus Christ, called him a sorcerer or all these other things, which is like one of the worst crimes according to Judaism. This is how Christ answered these these, uh, high-ranking Jews, these Pharisees. He said, quote, Ye and ye fathers are the sons of of the devil and the lusts of ye fathers ye will do they were murderers from the beginning and abode not in truth because because in their essence they are a lie They are the father of the lie. I think this is exactly what you see in Gaza right now going on. Mass murder of children, mothers, 
both Christians and Muslims and other people, because Jews hate anybody who's not a Jew. Unlike the Puritans, who had the famous Thanksgiving where they invited the Indians to partake and with a sense of friendship with them and kindness to them, that would have never taken place <laughs> with, with the Jews because they don't even believe that you're supposed to eat at the same table because the, the non-Jews are unclean. But Christ's words were so true. You, you're the you're murderer from the beginning. And think about all the massacres. Most all Jewish holidays and Jewish commemorative things like Purim and 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 like Passover and like Hanukkah, even when we celebrate Christmas, they celebrate a massacre of the Greeks and the Syrians and also other uh, Jews who liked the Greeks and the Syrians and who learned from them and went to their academies, even married with some of them. The Jewish Maccabeans couldn't stand that. And they decided to kill all those, to kill all the Jews that consorted with them, went to their academies and all the Greeks and the others. And as we celebrate peace on earth and good world toward man and Christianity at Christmas time, they celebrate Hanukkah and they light a big giant menorah, which you can't have a manger scene on public land anymore in America since 1989. Even for the first 200 years of our existence, before the Jews took over that David uh, Brooks is talking about, in since 1989, you can't have any Christian symbol on any public land in America. First 200 years of our existence, that was okay, because it was our culture, it was our people, it was our basic right to worship our values of our ancestors. But you can't have giant menorahs, which are symbols of a military victory in a mass murder, genocide of people in Jerusalem. It's just called Hanukkah, celebration of lights. But it was really a celebration of murder. That's the difference. These are the things that we can't talk about today. Yet it's so clear. Look at the Ukraine war, folks. 500,000 Ukrainian young men, a whole young generation have been murdered. And what's so terribly tragic about this and sad is a lot of these Ukrainians, they don't know. They think Putin's a Jew, even though they got Jews directing them. They got a Jewish State Department in the United States telling people to go kill Russians, right? We got to stop. It's crazy to think about. But people can be deceived. And as Mark Twain said many, many years ago, he said, it's much easier to con somebody and to lie to someone, to have them do terrible things they don't realize they're doing than it is for them to realize that they've been conned. And that's really what's going on right now. The ultimate racism, the ultimate supremacism, the real mass murder and destruction and evil that we see overcoming this whole planet and that has been voiced in these horrific wars, like the Second World War and the First World War and all the wars since. These have been wars based on lies. So I'll close again with those words. Ye and ye, Father, are the sons of the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there's no truth in him. And that's how the Jews right now are talking about October 7 every day and talking about 
oh, the Jewish children were murdered, by, and, and, and there was sexual systematic rape. It's all a lie. The 40 decapitated babies never existed. The women, there's not a bit of evidence for it. Even the guy that wrote the article, Gittelstein, in the Jewish New York Times. But these people that talk about these media, they never talk about who runs the New York Times. They never talk about the Jewish domination. These these the lies that they tell about Palestine would not be possible except for Jewish supremacy, not simply in Palestine, for God's sakes, but in the United States of America, in New York, in Washington, D.C., and in London, and in Paris. And all over the world through the power of America and the power of international Jewish media, international Jewish banking. That's the reality, folks. So I urge all of you, if you're not awakened right now, if you're hearing these words, maybe one of your friends or one of your family, they gave you this tape of this show today to listen to, listen to the that terrible, terrible racist David Duke. I'm not speaking racism, folks. I'm speaking human rights. I'm speaking not a world of war, but a world of peace and respect that every people should have for every other people and their rights and their right to have a society that reflects their own values. The same principles America was actually founded upon. Jews want tyranny over everything. And one day you'll wake up and realize this. And when you do, you'll be like that character in that movie, you know, The Matrix, you'll realize that you're living in a lie. You're living in this test tube of Jewish media and lies. But now that you know the truth, taking the red pill, right? You have a total obligation to stand up for human rights for all the people of the world and for your own people as well. And Europeans need to know that because while they use things like liberation of people and freedom and human rights, they never apply this to our people because what they're doing is trying to control the so-called West, which they do, and bend it for their supremacist objections and murderous, oppressive, criminal domination of the world. That's what I honestly believe, and that's what I will continue to fight for, the freedom all my life. I've worked in my life as an adult against every war um, that I've seen us engage in, and I was against the Iraq wars based on life, against all these wars. And uh, I am not the person they portray me as. Just as I'll tell you, even though I have certain disagreements, obviously, with the Germany of what was Germany in the 30s and 40s. But, you know, I am absolutely sure that the reason why we had this war and because of this war and because of how the war turned out, we have the insanities and the impossibilities and the horrors of today. And if we don't wake up, there won't be any more Europeans and the beautiful creations and idealism and the beautiful communities and the peaceful, wonderful communities that our ancestors have created.
But, and as important as that is, the entire rest of the world will be under an hegemony of horror that can only be explained by just looking at the horror that the Jews created in the Soviet Union and what they created in, in the Holodomor in Ukraine and what they created with all these wars and what they're creating for the Palestinian people right now. That's it. I love y'all, and I'll see you again next week, and I hope you have a great show. And Dave, thank you so much for all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, and have a great time over there with uh, your neighbors. I love doing a live show like this and people like yourself and the people that ask questions because, Dave, you really inspire me, and the people on this program inspire me, and this is so wonderful because I, you know, I kind of feel the spirit in my heart, and when I come on with you, because I love everybody that comes on the program, and I just feel so uh, connected to all of you. And I uh, see I can't even go away to my party, but I'm going now. Well, well, but, well uh, wait, hold on, Dave. All right, remember I said Michael, but he left. But I know you got to go. But can I just ask you this one question? Okay. Okay. This is from the guy from France. Ready? Yeah. I'm. I'm going to. It's a bunch of questions, but it's really only one. Ready? Okay. Dr. Duke has probably alluded multiple times to the content of the protocols in the show. But can he tell us what he knows about the origins of the text and this Sergei Nihilus, who is said to be the first to make them known in full in Russian? Who was he? How did he get the protocols? Was he related to some Jewish organization? Was he himself a Jew? Did he kind of steal them from someone? Or was well, I've been working the on a book on the protocols. I'll, I'll answer the question. I think I'll okay. Good. I've been working on a book on the protocols for a lot. It's called the Illustrated Protocols of Zion, and so I've really done a lot of study of the protocols. And I've tried to separate fact from fiction, and um, I tell you. Who wrote it? We're not quite sure. I, I have certain ideas and thoughts about people. I, I believe that the people who were defending the Tsar of Russia and defending the Russian people from the Jewish communist onslaught, I believe that they wrote it as a, a joint effort. It was part of the forces which were trying to defend Mother Russia from takeover from the Jewish Bolsheviks, the murderers of the Jewish Bolsheviks. And uh, they knew what was coming. And, but, so they assembled a few of the best scholars that had studied the Talmud, that had studied the, uh, the Jewish organizations, Jewish writers of, of that time. Uh, they assembled this together and they created this manuscript called the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. And the, the one issue that I think hurt the book a lot was the fact that they, there was no author listed, but it was a, probably a composite work of a few people. Nihilus may have helped her. He certainly brought forth the manuscript or other people as well. I don't, I'm not, I don't think he was the writer of it, but um, the, the, the issue is this. What they did was they studied Jewish literature. They studied Jewish writers. And there was a lot to study. By that time you had the Zionist movement, and just the writings of that are amazing. And you could you could study what Miamides said. A lot of this is in my book, Jewish Supremacism, not from the protocols, but from actual the Jewish writings of Miamides, where he's supposed to be an enlightened Jewish philosopher, but in his own writings, which are considered so humanitarian and so human, right? 
he talks about the fact that Jews are not allowed to do usury, which, by the way, usury is kind of a nice word for loan sharking, which is an illegal factor because loan sharking is like it's like addictive. It's addiction and it's damaging. In fact, uh, this most famous Jewish Enlightenment European, so to speak, Jewish uh, scholar, uh, he described uh, usury as nesbit, which means biting. Now, that's pretty amazing image. You know, it's like something biting you, you know. Uh, and uh, and he said, we cannot, you know, you're not allowed to do this to your fellow Jew. You can do it to the Gentiles. That's fine. He also talked about how Jews have no obligation, even if they're doctors, they have no obligation to save a Gentile life. And uh, and they can, you know, it's it's fine if a Gentile dies. But but they have to be careful, and they don't let Gentiles realize that they might want the person to die. I mean, this, these are the kind of things that Maimonides wrote. And um, but anyway, they they assembled all this, and um, they put this together in a form that the Russian people could understand. Now they should have uh, calling it the Illustrated Protocols of Zion is fine. Are calling it the Protocols of Zion is fine. Learn it all as a Zion. But they should have, you know, had an author. Like if it was written like, uh, like the fantastic book, 1984 by George Orwell, it had an author. There was no real Shoania, but it has a lot of contrast. And by the way, that book itself, it has very revealing parts of it talking about the controlled opposition, which is basically led by the Jewish name, you know, what was Goldstein? <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And in the in the in the so-called manifesto of Goldstein that's in 1984, Goldstein, obviously supposed to be against Big Brother, is talking about the fact that there there seems to be a lot of Jews in the government, right? But he says uh, don't worry about that. It's not. There's nothing to do with it, with with race. In other words, you might think it is. It's nothing to do with race at all. They're just. In fact, they want the best qualified person, right? That's all uh, for their tyranny. Well, that is what a Jewish so-called false flag or a Jewish what's the word for it? A Jewish controlled opposition would naturally say. Don't believe that even though you might see a lot of Jews all over the place, a lot about a lot of references to that in the book, it's not based on that. It's not based on race. That that's the book that they lure people in to this fake opposition so they can identify them, torture them, and uh control them and control the opposition in nineteen eighty four tyranny. So anyway, if it would have been labeled by a name, if it could have been all off Romanov or something, and um, that had been published. Uh, nobody could say it was a fake. You know, it, it's good enough just to say. I say, look at it like a literary device. Look at it like a literary novel. It's not really saying that Jews wrote it, but it's compiling Jewish history to understand how Jews control, how they support sexual degeneracy, how they bribe people in politics, how they control elections and they control people, their their economic devices, control over education, all these things uh, that really 
you know, are so apropos to the to the normal world. So my that's my that's my thought about what the protocols are designed. It's a brilliant, genius work. And there's so much the the reason why people uh and they it should have been done with a pseudonym or just a name on it or something, and that would have been much better. And then the Jews say it's a forgery. Well, it's not ever a forgery. It's it's obviously not taken from a document. But what it is is it's 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 an analysis of Jewish power, and that's its power. And when you see that and you read it, it enables you to see the world, and you begin to see what they what he's talking, what they're talking about in that in that small pamphlet, basically a small book, uh, how Jewish power works, and how they control governments, and how they influence wars, and all these other things that they do and all the negative things that they do to society. And uh, that's where I think the book came from. I think it's a work of genius. Uh, Solzhenitsyn put it this way. He said, "He said the protocols are, are, of Zion are pretty written in a rough fashion and not a polished academic fashion, he said. But what's amazing about the book is how what, the accurate prediction of what unfolded in the 20th century it was written at the turn of the of the of the century before, and but it was it was amazing the predictive nature of Jewish power and Jewish control over society and ultimately over the world. So that's interesting, and that that's my feeling on that. And uh, I think it's educational. It's it's a little bit primitive from what we know today. I would really suggest you read my book, my. Uh, my Awakening in Jewish Supremacism, and Jewish Supremacism is offered by Money Tree today. And, uh, and, and you'll really get an up-to-date with Jewish sources proving everything I talked about today on the program. Love y'all. Bye, Dave. Bye, y'all. You, and Dave. I hope you have Love a great you, evening buddy. and a great day. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for staying later. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Okay, folks, that's the great David Duke, and that was a great show. Uh, let's bring you guys in and see what we got here. All right. Dave is going to go, so we'll take him out. Good night, Dave. Night. Okay, we took Dave out. We got everybody in who is here. And let me read. I was going to read this while Dave was on, but, um, I'll read it now. In 1921, during an interview published in New York World, Henry Ford stated, The only statement I care to make about the protocols is that they fit in with what is going on. They are 16 years old, and they have fitted the world situation up to this time. They fit it now. Pretty damn good. Henry knew what was going on. Okay, guys, you got the floor if you want to say anything to anybody. Hello, Dave. What did you yes. make of it? Did you watch it? All right, I all did right. watch it, and I was uh, disa- I was disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people yeah. were saying it was a nothing burger. Uh, he could have used the time more efficiently. Uh, other people were saying that he was fairly uh, impolite towards Putin. Did you get that impression at all? Uh, yeah, no, I, I was disappointed because... Putin, I guess that's how you say his name in Russian, right? Yeah. Putin. Putin 
was uh, you know attacking. I mean, come on, Hitler, the Nazis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. It was a joke. Yeah. So that was really ridiculous. I'm going to bring in another guy. I took out the studio. I think that CB. Let me just check to make sure we're still going on here. Hold on a second. Is that you, CB? Tis I, my good friend from across the sea. Uh, sea. How are you this evening or this morning, I guess? <laughs> yeah, it's quite late here. Very good, very good. I was hoping that you put on the rabbi voice, because you, you do get such great impressions. Oh, shalom! <laughs> I thought you'd never ask, you filthy Nazi boy. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> what did you make of the interview, CB? Uh, I just caught the last tail end of it there. I was uh, I was actually out at the casino playing cards and uh, taking money from Jews for a change instead of them taking my money. So uh, I just got back at the end there. I heard uh, Dave talking about the um, – I was listening on my phone, but I couldn't really hear it well. I did My earpiece wasn't working properly. Um, so, you know, I just heard uh, the good doctor talking a little bit about the protocols there. And, to be honest with you, it's old stuff to me. Not to not to take anything away from the doctor. He always gives a good presentation, but this is all stuff that I've been knowing for years. And you know, I remember the good old days of listening to the doctor and uh, Don Black, and you know, two thousand and eight, when before his son went over, before Don's son uh, Derek went over the dark side when they we used to be on West Palm Beach Radio. So talking about this stuff back then. So it's not new to me. <laughs> it's new to you, young guys that are. Yeah, but but it's up to us to bring this information. To the uh, unwashed masses. That's right. The masses right. of asses who are right. watching yeah, exactly. Schwarzenegger. Yes. So let, let yeah. me answer your question. Um, I was disappointed that he was talking about Hitler and the Nazis. And I was disappointed that the interviewer, who was, of course, Tucker Carlson, spent so much time making stupid faces yeah. and not interrupting him and asking him the kind of questions that we would have liked to hear. Oh, so, okay, it, I get it. it. You meant the Tucker Carlson interview. I didn't I didn't realize yes. that. Oh, yeah, you just came in here. Okay. Richard asked what I thought about it. Okay. I, I watched the whole thing, uh, not, not at once. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I watched it, and it was, uh, it was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. You ask about Jews. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Well, you, that's another thing. Thank you. You know, you see how many times not Putin one question said, about Jews. Not no, one. but Putin said so many times he he evoked the memory of Jewish um, genocide. He did it like four times. Mm-hmm. He used Jewish. He was bringing up Jewish, Polish, this and that. But I mean, specifically Jewish genocide. So somebody sent me the transcripts. Uh, so you can do a search for them, actually. I could do it right now. I'm going to do that. Oh, Dave, you're on the wrong side with Kansas City. Uh, that player is promoting the jab. Kelsey, he's a scum. No, scum no, no, it's not that. It's uh, literally one of one of the folks at, at Speak Free Radio. His brother is on the Chiefs. Okay, but it's the, not Travis that guy. Kel- it's it's not uh, Kelsey and Swift are they're scumbags. Okay. Oh yeah, it's not him. It's somebody else. But okay. well, most of these professional athletes are scumbags. I mean, most celebrities. Period. You know that that's yeah, pretty much the way it works. That's, yep. Yeah, but the yeah. Super Bowl. This is like a a hall, This is a big day for America. We've got a, everybody's yeah. glued to their TV today. 
Well, you know, like I, I, I was, I had a debate with some friends about how I was, you know, how I hate professional sports. It's like I don't hate sports. Like I think it's a wholesome thing. Like let's say some kids from a neighborhood want to get together and throw the football around. They're getting exercise, and it's you know, it's good, wholesome, clean, you know, decent fun for kids to partake in. That I hate this degenerate. Jewish inspired, you know, with baby boomer bought into nonsense of this worshiping these dumb fucking animals, 99% of whom would either be in jail or the army if they weren't playing fucking ball, who, yeah. uh, you know, are basically getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play what amounts to a kid's game and treated like heroes when all they give a shit about is get, get that paper and then go get some white groupies in their Ferrari after the game. Right. That's and then today. Yeah, and today they had the Negro National Anthem before our yeah. regular National Anthem. They had the Negro one. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and these fucking boomers that complain about, you know, that they think they're so patriotic, then stop watching this shit. Stop putting money in these fucking niggers' pockets, you dumbass. Absolutely. And the Absolutely. teams are all pretty much all owned by fucking Jews. I mean, every, yeah. and it's not just the Negro Felon League. It's the Nigger Ball Association, you know, the Major yeah. League, you know, fucking bitches all the rest of them. They're all full of shit. But you know, okay, like wait a minute though. We've got a guy out here in California that we want to support. Steve Garvey, who was the LA Dodger. He's running against the Jew, Adam Schiff. So we want to give this guy support. I don't think he might have a chance to win, but he's going for the state Senate seat here in California. And this Adam Schiff is running 24 seven ads, really slandering this guy. And, and they're using Trump as the boogeyman. But, we're we're, we're, we're going to vote our way out of it. Yeah. Well, I know, but I'm just yeah. I. Steve Garvey seems well, like a good that's guy. Great. That's great you know? that if he's going to stand up for for Americanism and for for traditional values and things, that's fine. I support that. I'm not against the guy because he was a because he was an, uh, an athlete. It's just a point that I'm making. It's a corrupt culture. Like I let's know. say, for example, uh, I think we have some allies in that. Like Aaron um, Rodgers, uh, he seems yes. to know a lot of what's going on. He was against yes. the jab. He he doesn't directly talk about the Jews, but he he mentions the the money interests and all that stuff. Yep. So yeah. I think he knows yeah. what's going on. Yes, he does. Yep. You know. So uh, yeah, I'm not against celebrities just because they're celebrities or because they have money. Um, you know, it's even let's say there was a, a gentleman earlier who called in. I, I could kind of half hear it when I was playing um, poker. He was talking about how let's say uh, we used to have the Jews basically got the rich white elites to sell out. That's yeah, what they did. Yeah. You know, so we, we yeah, used this, to have this Adam Schiff people. guy is vile, though, dude. He's vile. Yeah, of course. He's a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know, really. He's a fucking yeah. Jew. He looks like Lotka from uh, from Taxi. I call yeah. him Congressman Lotka. And then, the, you know, they have a thing. They're trying to p pass a militia bill. Uh, another Jew, Jamie Raskin in the Congress. Is, yeah, of course. They're trying to pass it where uh, we can't form militias anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that Jew's going to learn if he if he tries to pass that. What's going to happen? You heard about that, right, Dave? You heard yeah, about yeah, that bill they're introducing yeah. into Congress? Yeah, what they're, a They're going to try to make it illegal to be white pretty soon. Exactly. I mean, I know. And they'll try to make it illegal to be white and straight. Just wait till they try that one. That's how crazy. Oh, they they will. Yeah, these are sick. Actually, these are sick organisms. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I know a guy who lives. No, that's fine. I just, you know, I wouldn't get. Uh, I was just going to say, there's a guy. So I, I, uh, I'm a member of a meetup group. I don't really go because it's it's a bunch of fucking Jews. But it's a it's a non jab social group, like for people who wouldn't take the jab and are against the jab. All right. The guy who started it, he lives literally down the street from me. He's not a nobody. He's a he's and he's not Jewish. He's Italian, but he. Um, he was he's a law professor at Nova Southeastern here in South Florida. He actually knows Jamie Rashkin. 
going back like to the 80s. And he ran for Congress here in South Florida in 2016 against um, as a Democrat against good old Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Oh, garbage. The, uh, the human, garbage. Yeah, the human lampshade. Yeah. And uh, they, he even had Bernie the Bolsheviks endorsement. This guy, his name's his name's Tim. And they basically rigged the election against this guy, Tim, and yeah. caused uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz to win. Um, CB, I wanted to ask, and this question really goes for everyone here, really. Um, what did you make of Putin's comment that he's open for negotiations with Zelensky uh, in light of the, obviously, the U.S. presidential election that's happening this year? Uh, your thoughts, please. Well, how do you mean? I, I didn't quite catch what you were what you were saying. Well, I'm asking whether or not this war will come to an end by the end of this year. Um, Is there a likelihood of that, given that Putin said that he's open for negotiations? Zelensky said no. If if it's one thing that I derive from the Putin-Tucker interview, it's the fact that, you know, a negotiated settlement is possible. Not with this uh, Jewish administration. Not with our Jewish administration. No way. Not with the Biden administration. No way. He could be taken out, Michael. Like, uh, you know, as they did in the Soviet Union, right? Like they, they took out all of the leaders and it became something different. Uh, who knows? Like maybe Ukraine could, you know, have a, uh, what's the word for a coup d'etat and Zelensky suddenly finds himself, you know, dead. Well, I think that's why they got rid of the uh, that longtime chief that they had and they put this other guy in who was like the head yeah. of their uh, domestic intelligence, who supposedly his family lives in Russia and grew up in Moscow. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, I don't think it's I, – I mean, they were trying from the very beginning to, to end this. Putin even – you know, you heard him like when he talks about when he pulled the convoy back from Kiev. Supposedly, like three or two or three weeks after the whole thing started two years ago, they were like inches from a peace deal. And then basically all those scumbag Jews, the Judeo-Nazis here in, in Washington um, – got him on the phone and said, no, don't you dare negotiate with Putin. Yeah, Boris Johnson was against it, too. He scuttled it. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm I'm interested to see who they're going to install as the next USA president. Who are they going to install next? That's going to be the question mark for this year. I don't think we're going to have an election. That That's that's my I just don't think they're going to they're going to have an election because, you know, as much as Trump is their puppet in many ways, uh, in my opinion, I, I don't think they want Trump in there. Um, and I don't think I think there's really a panic right now because, I mean, look at this mumbling, stuttering moron. I actually the other day I got into an argument with some piece of shit Brown who you know wanted to confront me about my white privilege. And I told him, I said, let me tell you something. I said, what happens if Trump comes back? He said, oh, I'm going to vote for Trump because I said, yeah, I said, you might not like it when Trump comes back. He said, why? Because he's a racist. I said, that's right. And we're going to start standing up for white people. We're going to throw you fucking black, black and brown mud sludge out of our fucking country. And he just like he, he knew I was right, but he knew also if he wanted to if he if he put his hands on me and I pulled out my nine millimeter that I had in my backpack and emptied it into him, and the cops show up now it's a whole nother situation. Of course, I'm not looking for that at least not right now. So I walked away, but he didn't have words for me because they know these 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 mud sludges know they know that the, the game is up. They can't survive without Whitey. Well, Trump they Trump survive. has declared he has declared the biggest deportation in history if he gets in there again. But like I, I don't think they're gonna. He said that gonna, he said that how many years ago? 
He didn't. Now, win he, he said it this year. No, he said it this year. But uh, right, I know, understand I, that. But what I'm saying is, he, he was saying the same things in 2015 and 2016. He didn't do anything for four years. Well, we didn't have the mass migration that we're experiencing now. No way did we have it. Still, tons of them coming in. Supposedly, not, not like is, today. Not like under Brandon. Oh yeah, no of way. course. It's it's been open since Brandon. But but you know, look, I don't know. I, I my feeling is, I think what they're going to do is either they're going to pull the plug on the old man and they're going to put. Uh, Gavin Newsom and Michelle Obama in there. Uh, they'll find okay. a way to get the camel to kind of quietly dispose of her because she can't. She doesn't have the citizenship requirements, as if they care about that anyway. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's it's obvious that Trump's going to win. I mean, there there are blacks and browns that are like, we got to vote for that racist Trump to fix this shit because <laughs> now they they see all the all the brown mud sludge coming across the border and taking their fucking jobs and taking their welfare checks. So even the Schwartzes are scared. Yep. Yeah. Thing is, Michael, um, you said that um, you could have to do massive deportations, but I, I think Trump in the last year or so said that, like, he had that quote saying, like, oh, there's going to be more, uh, more people than ever before coming in to America, and he was expecting people to, like, cheer. But I'm just saying the border, when he was in there, the border was more secure. I'm not saying people weren't flooding over, but not like we're seeing now. No way. No way. I would it's a lot more disagree, secure. but that's fine. But yes, you're right. It is. It's. It's just a total free for all. It's out of control now. It's out of control. And uh, you're right. I, I, they probably let what, about 10 million now into our country at oh, least. I'd say at least that. Yeah. And you know they've been throwing this this number of 11 million around for decades. Then all of a sudden they bumped it up to 20 million. Listen, I can just tell you, it, it's. I'm highly confident from all my experiences because remember, I, again, I'm, I'm in the insurance business. I'm out there dealing with the public. I saw the shit in the 90s when I was a teenager and I was working as a busboy in restaurants and things like that. There is easily in this country between 40 and 50 million, if not more, of, of the deals. That shouldn't be here. That shouldn't be here. Right. Of course. Yeah. There, there should be one of them in this country, let alone 40 to 50 million. I know. Uh, I'm going to – I'm going to remove one per- – Don't forget to tune in next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, for the Dave and Duke Call-In Show, where David Gahari and the incomparable Dr. David Duke will take your phone calls and discuss whatever questions you want to bring to the table. See you next Sunday.